0: So, who can remember, it's been a while, but who can remember what we were looking at uh, or where we stopped, should I say, in Luke's Gospel just before the Advent season? What particular story were we focusing on or event were we focusing on? Ron, bless you. Gold star. Uh, You're going to get a gold star in your Bible. Jesus sending out the 72 and that whole event. So if you have your Bibles with you, which I really hope everyone's got their Bibles with you. Who's brave enough to wave their Bible to show me that you've got it? Wow, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. If you haven't, don't worry, don't worry. You're not going to be sifted on the, on the way in to see if you've got it. But can I encourage you to bring your paper Bibles as we looked last year. As we As we look, I'm looking at two of our MTLs who've got their phones out. If you've got got paper Bibles, please bring them with you. Phones can be a distraction, as we looked at last year. We are, can you believe, we are nearly halfway through Luke. It's only taken us two years to get here. But we are nearly halfway through. We've got one more chapter, which will probably take about six weeks anyway. six, Six, eight weeks to get through. But we're close. At some point this year, at the beginning of this year, we will get halfway through Luke, okay? Um, I hope it's been profitable as we have looked um, at all this journey that Jesus uh, has been on with his disciples. Uh, And we've been particularly looking and asking three questions, haven't we, from the beginning of this. What? Who was Jesus? Now, I know that might seem... Very obvious question to many, but you'll be surprised how many Christians still struggle with the concept of who Jesus actually was and how that might work. Yeah, so we've asked the question, who is Jesus? What was his mission? I.e. why was he? Why did he come to the earth? And what was his ministry? And we've been looking at the way that he conducted his ministry. So if you haven't been with us, uh, or you've missed, missed aspects of that, you can jump on the YouTube channel and catch up with some of, those, uh, some of those services. But if you have been following along on this journey, you will know that we have seen a shift in Jesus' focus. Until this point, Jesus, as Messiah, has been spending a lot of his time in villages and towns visiting and preaching the kingdom of God and casting out demons and healing the sick and healing those who have had or have got illnesses. But as the prophets of old had foretold, the Messiah would one day turn his gaze and focus towards Jerusalem to accomplish the primary task for which the Messiah came to the earth to do, a task that would see him lay his life down for humankind, dying upon a Roman cross and then raising three days later from the death. Jesus was heading to Jerusalem to offer himself as that once final all-for-nothing, substitutionary, atoning, sacrifice. And are we not grateful that he did so? Amen indeed. He did it to provide freedom and hope for you, for me, and for every person outside that door in Whitney and in the world. What a gift. A hope and a freedom that we receive by turning... The Bible calls it repenting, but turning from our known sinful ways and placing our faith, our total faith alone in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour and focusing our life to line up with the life that he calls us to lead. But just because Jesus is now heading towards this climax of his mission, that doesn't mean that he stops preaching nor does it mean that he stops teaching and discipling those who are following him. Jesus had gathered, as we've seen, as we've gone, many disciples throughout this, or to this point in his ministry. Some have stayed, some have not. But those who have stayed, Jesus was looking to them to be the ones that would carry on spreading The message, this gospel message into the future. And during his final journey to Jerusalem, Jesus decides to send these 72 that we looked at, and previously to that, the 12 disciples. But in this instance, he sends 72 of his disciples out in pairs to put into practice all that he had taught, all that he had shown them to this point. I mean, that's a big moment. I mean, this is training wheels off the bike type stuff, all right? It was a big moment for them. And just before we stopped for Advent, we explored the instructions that Jesus gave them for their task ahead, their do's and their don'ts as they enter the villages. And we also saw his warning to them that he was sending them out as lambs amongst wolves. I mean, if that's not going to turn you away from actually doing it, I don't know what will. But Jesus is always honest, is he not? Sending them out as lambs amongst walls. And we read how on their return, they were full of joy because of this realisation that they had experienced this power over demons and sickness and this authority to be able to preach the kingdom of God in these villages, We then paused our study just after the point at which Jesus corrects the disciples' thinking by saying, nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. We'll delve into this a little bit more in a minute. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven, written in the book of life. And we spent a whole Sunday looking at the book of life, didn't we? What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Today we round up this event by looking at Jesus' prayer of thanksgiving to God in this moment. This prayer thanking God for his uh, his revelation to the disciples during this mission that they were out doing. A prayer that contains some really helpful reminders for us of things that we have already looked at over these last 10 chapters of the journey of Jesus. So in your Bibles, we're going to start, we'll start a couple of verses before, just so we have a little bit of context. We will start uh, Luke 10, verse 17. So Jesus has sent the disciples out, these 72 out, after giving them this sort of remit, they've just returned. And it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such as your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son and to anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. My heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this incredible privilege that we have to be able to open your word this morning in a safe environment. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word and we ask that through your Holy Spirit you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is you want to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus has just finished this debrief with his disciples. And while still in earshot, he doesn't say he moved away, but in earshot of the disciples, he begins to pray, saying, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus begins his prayer emphasizing and publicly declaring God the Father's sovereignty and lordship over heaven and earth. Now we need to clarify here that God when Jesus says God the Father, we'll explain this a little bit more later on, but God the Father, in this instance, is... Father to Jesus is not like Father to us. There is only one Son. There is only one holy begotten Son, and that's Jesus. But it does show this intimacy between Jesus and God the Father. So when I, as we progress through this, I'm going to refer to Father, but we are talking here not of Joseph, okay? Not, not Jesus' uh, uh, his, uh, earthly adopted father... We are talking about God the Father, okay? So he starts this prayer with declaring God's God the Father's sovereignty and lordship over heaven and earth. But Paul, we see this again in Paul. Paul does this similar thing. As he stood in the Areopagus in Athens and spoke to the leaders, he addresses God and says this, the God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth is one of many names of God that tell of the extent of his reign. Tell of the extent of his reign. Some focus on his dominion of the earth. Others state his spiritual dominion. This name declares that he is Lord of both realms. That's what Jesus is saying here, that God the Father is Lord of both realms, a truth that some Christians can struggle with and sometimes even ignore looking through Scripture. Though it's not our focus today, we must remember that there is a spiritual realm that extends beyond what we would normally or what I would say we would normally focus on, i.e. the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the world. We focus on that, and as we should do. We speak about angels, as we've done at Christmas time. We speak about the devil, particularly back in the Garden of Eden, and we often reference demons. um, When we've looked at Jesus, uh, uh, throughout Jesus' ministry, as he and his disciples have been able to cast those out. But this realm, scripture seems to suggest, is a lot bigger than that. It's a lot bigger than that. And it seems to suggest that there are spiritual beings in this realm that have different functions and different ranks. A spiritual realm that is closely connected to our own physical realm and has been since the beginning of creation. Now, maybe we'll, we'll explore some time on that at a later date. It's not our focus today. But all we need to understand today is that Yahweh, God Almighty, is Sovereign and Lord of both realms. Amen, indeed. So Jesus has thanked the Father, and then he continues into the bulk of his prayer and says this. He thanks him that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such is your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So the first question that we need to ask is who is the wise and understanding that Jesus refers to here and who is the little children that he's referring to here? Well, the wise and understanding, you could say, another word for that is knowledge, those who are knowledgeable or those who are learned, but in the ESV it says the understanding. The wise and the understanding, I would suggest to you, are those that have closed their heart to the truth they've closed their hearts to the truth and they just don't want to see it and they don't want to hear it it's not that the truth that god is revealing is only for select people god's word and the gospel truth is for all people for all time but it's simply that for those who are not interested in opening their hearts to the truth God seems to allow them to remain in their, uh, in their arrogance. Why? I don't know. But it seems like he just allows them to stay in their arrogance. So who could be some examples of this? Well, we could say back in Jesus' day, it's the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You know, they were so caught up in the rules, in the law that in fairness to them, God had instigated, okay, but they had taken it to a whole different level, adding extra laws and so on and so forth into this. And we we did a Sunday on this, again, which you you can go back and look at. So we could say that they had, in essence, closed their heart and didn't recognise Jesus standing in front of them and who he might be. In essence, the Messiah in that moment. What about today? Well, we could say, well, today. I mean, there, who, there's a hundred people you could pick. Um, Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins, the the Darwinian atheist, who's very public and likes to go and debate Christian uh, athe- uh, sorry, Christian atheists. <laughs> Christian apologists, trying to defend. The faith, Richard Dawkins' God, is Darwinianism. And all those times he sits with incredibly skilled and heartfelt Christians who are trying to share the truth in an intellectual way, which is, seems to be the only way that Richard is able to communicate on these things. He just cannot see it. Or is it that he chooses not to? Well, in those instances, God just allows him to continue in his arrogance. You can't... We, we speak about it a lot, don't we? God doesn't want robots. It's where free will comes into this. If he chooses to not accept the truth being presented to him, nothing we can do about it. That's, that's between him. That's his choice. So we could say that Darwin... Uh, sorry, not Darwin. Uh, Richard Dawkins is an example. We could also say, what about um, Ricky Gervais? Again, another very public figure who does not hold back with his annoyance, frustration, dislike for really anyone that professes God. The shame with with, uh, Ricky Gervais is if you look back in his early days, he was totally open with the concept of a creator god now in somewhere in his journey he's done an absolute flip and he's now pub publicly and proud to be an atheist i mean i only sit there and i think to myself what if what if a christian close to him in his life growing up had the boldness to go and sit with him and say listen you you're, you're on a dangerous tra- you're on a dangerous road here let me try and help you back on before you slip totally. Hmm. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. So, what about, what is Jesus referring to about the little children, where again, we've seen this quite a lot. In essence, it's those who are open, it's the opposite, it's those who are open to the truth of God and come before Jesus in faith or, or like a childlike faith. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? A childlike faith. So these two different opposing people. Well, now we must ask, what is Jesus thanking God for? What is he thanking God for in this prayer? And I would suggest to you that he, he is thanking the Father that during the disciples' missions into the villages, they had, by the grace of God, firstly, had yet another revelation of who Jesus might just be. And secondly, a glimpse of the part that they would play in God's plan for salvation in the world. So, So just briefly look at these two things. Firstly, this journey, or these little glimpses, these little nuggets that we've seen over these last two years of going through Luke, of these moments where, where they're just... Is, is he more than just Messiah?